Welcome to the Talk Your What's Shit up, Podcast. <laughs> My name is William Carter. And I'm Alicia Ford. And we are just here, you know, spread some knowledge, drop some jewels, yes. talk that shit. Yes, on your Talk That Shit Podcast. And get it popping. Yes. Popping, like Twop. Cardi B. Yes, wash popping. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, you know, just to start off, you know, you want to go first? Okay. Uh, I'm Alicia, and I'm from Philadelphia. Where they know everybody. <laughs> you love Philly, though. <laughs> you always try to play me, but, yeah, but from West Philly, predominantly. Uh, you know, 23, out here in the streets, college grad. Went to Albright College with William. So, you know, I was an English major. I started out as a psych major, but then I figured that English was my calling. So, English major, graduated with my bachelor's in English, and then went. Now I'm in graduate school at Arcadia, get my master's in English. And I think I want to teach either that or do something. I want, always want to be a writer, so either writing or teaching or both. Possible. But uh, yeah, that's me. From Philly. Go to school right now. <laughs> I like to write poetry and be free. But yeah. <laughs> How's about you, William? Alright, so, no. Clearly, I'm William. Um, 22. From Maryland. Be more! <laughs> Born in the city. Is that what y'all Nah, niggas from Baltimore don't say B-more. So what do y'all say? We like, just call Baltimore. Oh, so y'all don't throw up no signs. Y'all don't do no... Oh, like, we throw up some signs, but you know, I ain't Philly yet. You know, know, you got, I, you got to not, keep it where you at. Well, you know, like, West Philly, we had the little W. The little W. Nah. Little w. No, they had the W, like, with your hand. Y'all can't see, but... People from West Philly know the little W thing. No, we never did that. Oh, so y'all don't say B-more. Oh. Okay. No, born in the city. Uh... Raised a little bit, you know, from Mount Diamond Mall, but I was uh, raised out in the county, you know, out on the mills. Um, once all right, I studied music business and journalism. From that, I have my own website, inquisitivecarter.com. Um, I write music in a spare time. Hopefully, I, everything goes well. I have my EP up on my birthday. Um, keyword, songwriter. Working on producing, you know. <laughs> Learning how to sing. If Eric Shane can learn how to sing, I can learn how to sing. So next year, you know, you may hear me on something, but as of now, um, songwriter. Yes. Don't check me. Check my resume. <laughs> yes, check the resume. <laughs> that goes for all the racist people out there and, you know, the one o'clock us. Don't or, check me. you know, say certain things or, like, the haters out there. You know, just because I don't post, I mean, I'm not working. Exactly. So... Yeah, yeah, don't check me. Check my resume. Exactly. I hate that. I hate people trying to say, oh, what have you been doing? What have you been doing? <laughs> like, you guys don't do anything. You always want to, like, check me. Like, that's so corny. So what's the first so, aspect you want to talk about? Uh, what did we say? Albert? Yeah. PWR? Yeah, so, going to the PWR is very interesting, I would say. And me and Wayne went to the same one, so... We have a lot of the same experiences. What was your most, what 
made you the most angry about attending a PWI? Honestly, attending the one we did in General Albright College, I don't feel like they necessarily prepared students of color to get into like the real actual workforce. Yeah. And then we're especially in my major, um, both of my majors, well, for one, I only had one black professor, mm-hmm. and they essentially forced him out to make him either quit or um, get fired. So seeing that, it's like a, like, damn, you know, we're in the professional world, like in the collegiate world, and you just trying to really disown this black man, the only man in the whole department that had a doctor's degree. Mm-hmm. So seeing that, it's like a, you know, like a slap in the face. And then the communication side, uh, I never had any, there was, only three, there was only three communication teachers. One, I never had any classes with. There were two. Uh, shout out to Beckin. I love Beckin, John Beckin. You go to Albright, that's my man. Like, I love him from the bottom of my heart. But there's another teacher. Um, if you go to Albright, you know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to throw no names. But she was very high sedating. She was very standoffish and very close to me. She told me, for instance, when I had a question about my grade, she said, I grade how I want to grade. Oh. And you going in there asking questions, you sitting down, it's like, I grade how I want to grade. It's like a... So you might want to try to tell me why I want to grade that. Right. Especially when I've already, like, done certain things, and it's like, I haven't been corrected thus far, or nothing's been pointed out to me. So it's like a... I went there, like, you know, like, you know, like, what's up? Like, what's wrong? You know? Yeah. da 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 and that's where that came about. So I'm like, uh, oh, okay, this one teacher in particular, she really didn't like me. No matter what I did, she continuously gave me C's throughout the semester. I be I showed my work to a couple of the teachers, especially the communication teachers, and they honestly don't understand what I was getting C's for. So not only that, I felt like, like clearly like you was purposely trying to dog me or downplay me. Mm. And actually, when it comes to the, did uh, I grade how I want to grade one? I remember I'm like, hold up now, like you know, where that coming from? And essentially, how we talked about it, like she thought you know I was coming for her, like threatening her in like a, a manner of me wanting to know 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 like what's going on. She and I'm sitting here like, oh okay. I've never been told that thus far, and right. you know. Albright experience, but you know Albright experience involves a lot of racism and a lot of ignorance. You know, you can you can Google search it. <laughs> the one thing you may not find out is uh, when I first got there, my first year, somebody had spray painted nigga across one of the dorm uh, halls. Yeah, that wasn't discussed um, on campus. But you know, the one we attended in particular was very ignorant and chose to be ignorant to a lot of the issues, especially the president. Because he, all he basically wanted to do was get his son through college, so he ain't had to pay. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things we can talk about going to that, but you know, your turn. Um, it's crazy because all right to me had its pros and cons, but I came out of high school, uh, National Honor Society, Honor Society, in high school and everything, and Albright apparently gave me most of the money that I needed to even attend uh, compared to the other schools. So I was like, okay, like I can 
like my parents and I, we can work with this because everybody knows that a private school education is more desired if you can than a state school. There's some good state schools out there, but a lot of times people do prefer private schools because it does have its perks. So I was like, oh, and I visited the school. Everything was great. So um, I would say that what disappointed me the most was like their financial aid and administration because once I proved to be a good student, a great student, A's and B's, um, after the first year, the tuition went up and my aid didn't go up. They didn't offer me any other scholarships or anything. So they expected my parents, because that's who was sending me there, to fill this gap that we didn't have the money for. So, um, no matter how many times we call this person, that person, this person, you know, they were, they barely really offered me anything. And I got, um, I ended up getting one of my professors who was like a mentor to me in undergrad to advocate for me. Well, she, I didn't make it, but she did it on her own out of the kindness of her heart and the willingness to help me. And as a fellow black woman, like, who's coming from like a from the city and knows the same struggles that I know and that we know, she did what she could for me. And I ended up getting some money because of her, but never again, even with her help. I mean, they just didn't give what they could have given. And like, I just learned from that point, like it doesn't matter. Like my mom would say, oh, she has good grades. She never got in trouble. You know, she was an asset to your community. And they're like, okay, well, we, she, Where's the money? Like, they've literally suggested that I go to community instead of attending Albright. Or when my mom, I took the semester off junior year for the fall semester, and they basically said, oh, well, that's a good idea. She should just go to community, and when you're able to send her back. But it's like, that doesn't sadden you at all to see an asset to your collegiate community have to go to have to go to community college because they can't afford it, because you can't just set aside some money so that was just like something that i just saw firsthand from white administration um and like it was a lot of inherently inherent racism there like the when they sprayed the n-word on the um, wall and all of that um and that definitely was odd. But I grew up kind of going to private schools where kids would say a lot of stuff to me, a lot of stuff to like a couple of other a couple of the other black kids. So it bothered me, but I was a little bit used to it. Like to like the kids doing like little smart stuff or saying little smart stuff. Um, I think one of the weirdest moments I probably had was like when a white girl touched my hair. <laughs> on the way. <laughs> I don't know who was, I don't know if Sharif was with me. I know Duet was with me, uh, my boyfriend. It was a couple of us, all very, I'm sure other, I think other schools have midnight breakfast too. When you take your finals, they give you a midnight breakfast. And it's like this long line, we're all standing in line. Um, I wear my hair natural. And like I have my little pineapple looking like a pineapple. <laughs> and like, I'm sitting there, I'm standing there, not paying any mind, just trying to go in. And I feel something on the top of my head. And I thought something fell out the ceiling because I'll break, you know, you know. Trifling. Oh, it's a little raggedy, you know. A little, 
Broken got mice running around broken. like being in community. Yeah, oh yeah, that's another thing I hated was the mice, but we'll get back to that. <laughs> but um I feel like something was leaking or like something fell on my head. So I'm all looking around and I turn around and I see this short Caucasian girl. And I've never seen I've never seen her before in my life and I've never seen her after this experience. So I'm like I'm like, well, I didn't think anything of it. I'm like, I should be She was like, oh, I'm sorry. It was me. I just had to. I was like, huh? Like, that was so weird. And she's like, I just had to. I was like, no, you didn't. Don't ever touch my hair. But I wanted to say so much more. But, like, the white was, like, pulling my arm, like, shh, just don't, shh. I was like, who did this? Nah, you just go off a little bit. Like, my face was red, but I was like, you know what, whatever. But it just was, like, so odd. Like, I think what probably irritated me growing up and even in college is just, like, the whole, like, touch my hair. Can I touch your hair? Oh, I love your hair. Like, this that whole fetishizing about black people and black hair and how we are. That is, like, I could take a compliment and I'm, I don't, I don't know whether I'm flattered I guess I am, but not really. I feel like I am who I am. I'm black, and this is how I look. This is how my hair is. But I think, like, it just turns into something kind of creepy. Like, my hair is hair. Like, our hair is beautiful and stuff like that, but I'm not, like, a display for you to just be touching. And, like, it was just so crazy. And normally, people ask Lately, like within like since I've been an adult, people have asked to touch me. They never just boop, like just touch it, and I was like, "What the hell?" So it was just really weird. That was something that I just I didn't necessarily like. Um, but yeah, so like a lot of like when you go to school with a lot of Caucasian people, or people that just aren't like if you're a, the minority, you know, you face you. It's always an experience. Like I can't really say that anybody like. That nobody's ever had an odd experience being a minority at a predominantly white institution. So that was odd. That, you know, but like as far as my major was concerned, when I was a psych major, um, I was like, I felt kind of isolated because I was like, it was a lot of people in the class and I was one of the only black people, but not, it was like a couple of us. So it was like a nice, strong now we had our own little community and then i just realized that it just wasn't for me um i took a class it was a research methods class and there was a lot of math i'm not good at math and there was a lot of like reasoning and analytical i was like i don't know what this is like i just this is odd i don't know what's going on so i ended up just dropping the class and i was like i'm gonna just drop the major this is not for me so I took the semester off my junior year, but when I came back, I came back as a full-fledged English major. Um, and like, I loved my professors in my major. Um, it was like, you have your experiences, but for the most part, even if you didn't like, if I didn't like a pers- professor personally, they at least knew what they were talking about. And they, had a, they were like excited about teaching what they knew. Like, they were really knowledgeable. So I felt like I got my money's worth as far, me personally, I got my money's worth as far as the professors and what they taught. Um, But, like, I will say, you know, I've had experiences 
that were odd um, when we presented. When you presented too oh, at the yeah, um, yeah. at the conference. Your teacher was real, real paper. Interesting, right? Yeah. So like, all right. So we had to present. We didn't have to, but we participated in this conference where we presented our senior theses, and my thesis was on um, the autobiographies of black women over time. So I did Harriet Jacobs um, and I did Maya Angelou and Audre Lorde. They all have written Harriet Jacobs wrote a slave narrative. Maya Angelou wrote her autobiography and so did Audre Lorde. But I kind of like did like an analysis over time and how like the themes that go on within these narratives are the same, like Harriet Jacobs um, faced a lot of like sexual abuse, sexual harassment from her master, and Maya Angelou was raped and faced like a lot of like sexual abuse growing up. And then Audre Lorde didn't necessarily face sexual abuse, but she was a um, gay, a lesbian. So, you know, just that was just one aspect, but um, I presented, we only had like five minutes to present, which I thought was like... Real random. No, it was ten minutes. It was five minutes to present and then five minutes for questions, I think. Mm-hmm. But it was like, ooh, okay. So I had to fit my 20-minute presentation into like a five-minute presentation, which was, it was what it was, I mean. But um, basically, I was talking about slavery and how... And the, the details of slavery are never, like, flowery and pretty. They're always grim because it's the reality of the United States, the, the world, because the slave trade was beyond the United States, you know. So um, I'm presenting, and I was talking about slavery because I did my paper on a slave narrative. So there's questions, and my, one of my professors um, attended my presentation. I was I thought that was very nice of him to attend my presentation because um, he didn't have to do that. So he asks me, "What's the importance of?" He said, "What is the importance of children reading about slavery? I mean, it's just really grim and it's really harsh. And what is the point of children, black children or white children, learning about slavery?" I'm mad because you really do sound like him. I really was just that's what he said and I was just like it it really caught me off guard because I talked about so much more than the slavery aspect I'm not thinking that he's gonna ask like I looked at Dwight Dwight looked at me and he just looking like (laughs) this about to go real left or real right my friends are like bad I'm like oh lord so I'm like well all children need to learn about slavery, especially if they're living in the United States because it's a part of American history. African-American history is a part of American history. So you would have to know about slavery if you want to know how the country was... The birth of this nation involved... We built this joint for free, and you still trying to cut us out. We already... Our ancestors already built this joint without any type of pension... Any type of payment, anything, and you still, it's like years later, and you're still trying to tell me that it's not important to know that we put, like, at least acknowledge that it happened. Like, that's the first step. Like, okay, we, my ancestors, or maybe 
whatever. Black people were enslaved and treated terribly. Beyond just like subhuman, we weren't even treated as human. So it's like, really? And so I was in a room. It wasn't a lot of people in that room, but it was still like, okay. And do you think that kids should be taught that at a young age? Yes. Mm-hmm. Why not? It's the that's the reason why people don't really know about slavery or they don't have an interest in it. I feel like because, well, it's for a lot of reasons. But part of the reason is like in school you learn like some schools don't really or they they don't really teach it or they brush over it. But they don't really get into the nitty gritty. And some things are a little bit too much for kids to know. Like, we're just talking about, like, the raping and sexual abuse and stuff. But slavery happened. And I think that you can, like, go around that and tell, like, all the details of it. And kids need to know. And it's like, kids know about, like, the Holocaust. They know about the Vietnam War. And, I mean, those were brutal The funny times. thing about the Holocaust, the thing people really like overlook or like not realize that it happened around the same time as the civil rights movement yes but people swear and like how to describe it's like it's two different complete eras mm-hmm. and it's like we we'll always remember the holocaust and which we should just like get over slavery but never forget 9-11 never forget the civil uh civil war and all that stuff but right. y'all want to erase and forget about slavery or and get they, over it and they still remember the holocaust more than they remember slavery and I'm not saying that they shouldn't. I think that all of it should be remembered. But, like, slavery is just, like, oh, it's tucked under wraps. Because I think it's just, like, it's just, oh, it's just too much. Like, kids shouldn't learn about it because then they become adults that don't care about it. If you don't teach kids about what really happened, then the kids don't really have an interest. Because of, I mean, that's just, that's just my experience from it. But that was interesting. But, I mean, I'm not, I'm not coming at the professor I mean, I still thought he was a good professor in terms of, like, what he knew. I thought that he was nice, and he was very educated in his, in his that field. That question is just out of pocket. His field and all of that, not taken away from whatever credentials that he has, mm-hmm. because he clearly has it all, but that question just threw me for a loop. I was like, really? And we're no in his class enough. where we learned about King Arthur and all the wars, and I'm like, this is... The white kids that presented that we presented with, mm-hmm. they were real cool yeah. and respectful and actually wanted to know. And I yes. would expect I would have expected that from like them because they're still like we all still young. Don't expect mm-hmm. like that type of question from a young white person, not a uh, older male that has kids that has teachers that teaches multicultural kids. Yeah. I mean that shows that hopefully the. There are people who are progressive in our generation. Like they're, they're they are moving with the times. Like even though they may not have been taught, they may or may not have been taught about slavery and African American whatever. But they're willing to learn. Like I remember the guy asked me, "Is there any books on passing?" And I'm like, "Oh, there are." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "There's this book." But he's like, "Okay, I'm going to read about it." And whether he read about it or not, it was still like the for fact him he to, took time to say. I mean. That takes a little some guts to say, like, are there any books on passing? And you're a white male. Like, you must really be interested. You know, so that, aside from that, my experiences academically were pretty positive. And um, friend-wise, I wouldn't have met all, like, my friends if I didn't go to Albright. So it's like, 
you know, friends are. You paying. really pay. You're not really paying for like the educational thing. I feel like you're paying for the experience. Well, you. I feel like you are paying for the education, but in your field, in your because I met your teachers, you definitely are. Yeah. <laughs> but in most of them cases, you just kind of like a a spec. Yeah. In the big room. I guess so. Yeah. Because to me, my mom like always told me, "You have to go to school. I pay for you to like." Make friends. I mean, it's not that they didn't want me to make friends, but like I've always been raised to just it's school comes first. So like my first year, I had friends, but I didn't like go out and do certain things because I was just like trying to. My mom was like, if you you know you have to prove yourself. Cause my mom wasn't gonna keep paying for me to go to college if I didn't have like good grades or the grades. So I kind of had to like work on that for the first couple years and prove myself. And then after that, I. Had fun, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I had a lot of fun, but yeah, it was interesting going to a private white institution. It had its fun times, but there were a lot of times where I felt like we were just overlooked. Like, definitely, but I think honestly, I think when you go to like that type of school and type of environment, science kind of plays a part into like who we are, and I say this because. Granted, most when you look at like the demographic of right, it was majority white people. Mm-hmm. But in my world, yes, it's I, all I see is black people, black people, black people, black people. Like, yes, the black community, even though we may have been we small in the realm of things, everybody knew everybody. Yes. like whether you was friends with them or not, you knew of or oh, this person I'm seeing it, like you exactly. knew of them. And I feel like our community was so thick, like we kind of had each other's back more so than anything and like i've talked to other people and they kind of said the same thing like my mom attended um, the university of pittsburgh and she went back and i don't know what she might have been tell but <laughs> she went to the university of pitt and she said like it was a predominantly white school but like she didn't even they didn't even see white people they didn't even see white people because it was just all black people and they had like the black student union and stuff and i've talked to other people who said the same thing like and we just naturally are gonna come you together. You go to what you go like, to. It's not even it, like a racist even thing. Even in class, we've done that in class, yes. in, in high school, in the cafeteria. Like yes. you can go to any high school cafeteria. The black people will split be up. somewhere. You all the black people will be together, and it'll be like the white group, like in these two tables over yes. in the corner somewhere. Yep. But like it just Which it's is natural. Always, you go what you're you're accustomed to, what you're used to. Yeah, we naturally just do that. I remember like even if it's not that many of us, because in Dr. Gilliam's class. When she taught, excuse me, um, American, modern American literature, it was only about six of us, but we all had like a little cluster and like we all had each other's back. We was all like just in the <laughs> middle of the class. Like it was like a little, the crux of the class was like five, like six or seven black people or people of color just in the middle because Chase is his family. So it was like she was a part of the group too. Oh yeah, that class. When I used to be in the hall when I used to like spy on y'all coming yeah. in. Yeah, y'all had to, <laughs> the black was people was uh like people televising that class, yeah, okay? Was <laughs> y'all was right because there in the middle. Like, and that class really was interesting as well because that class um had a African American woman professor who not who taught african-american literature as a part of modern american literature and that made so many of our peers so angry because they were like why does she only teach about black things why are we learning about native son why are we reading this are we reading that i'm like because it's it's the same it was it was written at the same time as 
your other story. She just and told And he can't me. get rid of her. Yeah, and so, like, I've heard my, my little peers say, well, if she wants to teach African-American literature, then she should just teach that as a whole class. She shouldn't be teaching that as so we're going to have white people all day long. Nobody talk to that. <laughs> In the 60s and the 70s, especially, like, black people were writing. Like, they were, you know, the black arts movement was booming. Like the black art movement, the black arts movement was, like, amazing throughout the 60s and the 70s. So for us to ignore that is ignoring American history. Because, mm-hmm. like, all of the stuff was going on in Harlem and, like, East Coast. East Coast. West Coast, too. But it's just, like, really? So, like, when I heard him say, I'm like, that sounds a little prejudice. So, like, yeah, it definitely, and I remember, like, people would say, like, I remember one, we were in class, and they were like, oh, um, somebody didn't believe that the Native Americans went through what they went through. Like, basically, it was a genocide. Like, oh, yeah, remember, do you remember that? That was yeah, crazy. And, that like, was we tried it. to email um, our professor. And like it just didn't go well because the facts, I mean, the facts were just off. Like, and that's what I saw too. And it's like they really gave her a hard time. And it was because of who she is and what she represents and who she was and what she was teaching and what she stood for, basically. Because if it was a white male professor teaching black literature and all of that, and we had men. It would be looked at differently. They but they wouldn't question they him. Up, they would shut up and accept it. They wouldn't right. even if they had a problem with it. And like we've learned about black literature in other classes and nobody ever said anything then. So why say why act like that towards her? It's because they feel like, oh, she thinks that she's entitled to teach just because she's in this position. She's more entitled than you are. Like, you are a little fish. <laughs> little fish, big fish. Like, so yeah, that was interesting. When you're in class and you hear people give their opinions about certain things, I think that was when you saw, like, the racist. Because I remember, like, am I, you were in class with me when we had um, the IDS class. Mm-hmm. And I said something, and all the white people looked at me real crazy. They surely did. They said that the professors was like, who makes up the, who's the majority, who makes up the majority in this country? And I was like, white male Republicans or conservative thinkers. And they all was like, everybody looked they at me like, they were shook. And what's uh, Professor Green? Like, no, you're right. I was like, oh. Because I mean, and like, that's weird because normally I don't feel apo- apologetic, apologetic about things that I say. I do sometimes. Because I know words can be and but when I said it and everybody looked at me, I was like, did I say something wrong? She was like, the professor was like, no, you're right. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> they looking at me like, and it was a lot of white guys in that class. And it just was like this. It goes back to what black people were. Remember, it was only about seven of us in that class, yo. <laughs> While we all was in the corner. We was all in the corner on the left-hand side. Black folks always want to sit in the corner of a class. They never want to sit in the front. They always want to sit in the back corner of a class. All the time. It was like comfor- comfor- comfortability. Yeah, it's just like, oh, yeah, y'all sitting here on Sydney. I don't even remember who was the first person to sit over that corner. But it was just like, everybody just went to that. It, was about it only took six one. It only took one, and everybody just followed after that corner. <laughs> and, there, and like people always say, oh, they always sit together. So do Asians. So do Spanish. Like, 
Because well, we sit together because we 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 need each other. I'm not sitting next to Becky and because Be- Becky might not like me. Becky might be a Trump supporter. I don't know. <laughs> like at least I'm with, if I'm with somebody, I'm not like they. I might because the crazy thing about us is we may not like each other, but we are gonna stand together. Period. Because you know we always stand together. Like mm-hmm. they be trying to catch us, and we be like, nope, <laughs> I don't know anything. <laughs> no. Bro, I think, you know, but it's funny, though, because now that you talk about that, I remember uh, the black professor for music, one of his, one of the white girls we went to school with, like, would always try to challenge him and be disrespectful to oh, him. Wow. And he can't say too much, because one, that's a black male, two, that's a teacher. Yes. And Was he tenured? No, he wasn't. Okay. He was up for tenure, and they set him up. That's they had stuff. a black man who taught music business speak in front of a whole bunch of people that taught science. Yeah. So no, and I told him plenty of times, like, look, you would you a teacher. I'm a student though. Yeah. So I had no problem saying what you wish you could say because who's gonna check me? Right. But you know, it's interesting how you know things play out. But you know, we here, yes. we made it. We graduated. I was across the stage. <laughs> Well, we graduated. I didn't get my degree until, like, actually, like, about 12 months later. If I hadn't paid, if my mom hadn't paid that money and if I hadn't taken those classes, I wouldn't have been either. (laughs) But, like, that's how it happens with us. Like, we get in where we fit in. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like we're, a lot of times, we're underestimated. And then once we get our degrees and once we, everything works out, it's like, oh, they did do, like, because it's like, despite what, I feel like they make it really hard for you to graduate on a financial level, especially. So it's like, oh, she, you pay all your money, you do what you have to do. And mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how long it takes, as long as you're consistent and you get your piece of paper eventually and you're working towards it. So I know like a lot of people, it takes like, you know, a little longer. It doesn't matter. Like just be consistent, stick to it and you'll get what you, you'll get what you deserve in the end. So that's just my advice for kids that go through it. I mean, because kids go through HBCUs. HBCUs are expensive. Mm -hmm. And, like, it's a lot of private HBCUs that charge a lot of money. So it's like they might might not have, like, the whole experience of being black, but you are, if you don't have a lot of, if you're a working class, middle class, you come from a nice family, you still cannot afford because people they think you have enough parents don't have enough to pay for their own lives their house their car their bills their everything and then pay ten thousand dollars a semester right. for their kids to go to school and they could be making like six figures what they have other kids what they have other kids in college what they have parents they got their own folk bills yes and their own folk responsibilities exactly. and they swear that all their money just supposed to go to us and like we as the people we are, because of the system, we're behind Caucasian and like, white people as far as like wealth and accumulated, you know, wealth. You know, we don't, we're not there yet mm. as far as like the financial standing. So it's like, we have to like hustle. We always like in the African-American museum would say, make a way out of nowhere. We always make a way out of nowhere. So I feel like I give more props in the person to the person that made a way out of no way than somebody that just like what about their life, you know? I mean, it's the same success that they should both have the same um, 
accolades for it, but mm. the person that really had the hustle, like, you gotta give them their credit. Because, right. like, you're not supposed to be here. Because, like, basically, that's like if you can't pay this amount, $10,000 a semester, and if you can't, like, buy all your books and do all of that, then you're not supposed to really be here. But, ain't no way out of no way. So, yeah, PWI experience. I think that's a good way to end it. Make a way out of nowhere. Yes. What we always got to do. Make a way out of nowhere. Yes. When I saw that in the museum, I was like, child, my mom said it all the time. My grandma said it all the time. It's the truth, though, because we always make a way out of nowhere. Like, and I feel like that was like growing up. That was like what we always did. Mm -hmm. And like, I came from a nice family, and I was raised by a village. So if we ain't had no money, I didn't know about it because somebody was stepping in and mm. taking over. That's how it is. You know, so growing up, like, I went to private schools and stuff, but, like, it was expensive. And, you know, raising the kids is expensive. But you always just make a way out of no way. And if you are a parent that wants your kid to have the best, then you got to, like, finagle your way through. Right. And I just hate people, like, judge people for doing whatever. You know what I mean? No legal things. I get but I still don't judge parents. Like, I be like, you know what? Listen, you do what you got to do to get do that education. To, just like when I had to get in the cafeteria <laughs> and I ain't had no idea. They really tried to lock you down they for a goddamn uh, some food. Should I talk about that experience? That's not going to incriminate you no more. Said not gonna incriminate you no more. Yo, you tell that story. That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna tell that story. <laughs> they tried to. They really tried. Y'all, they tried to lock her down for a damn All right, bagel. So. Like I said, I took the semester off my junior year. Albright College. <laughs> Stop! <laughs> I took the semester off junior year. Fall semester. Because it was expensive. And when I came back, I ended up... Um, room and board was entirely too high coming back. So I ended up living in a house with two housemates. And so the housing was cut off. But the, and the food, my mom just cut my meal plan off and was like, you know, we'll do, you know, we'll figure it out, you know. So the first couple of weeks were really hard because it was like I had to grow accustomed to, like, eating at certain times, buying food, not spending all my money on food. And a lot of times, like, I did spend my money on all my money on food or, like, I had to really figure it out at first. But, like, my friends really, like, helped me out and, like, was there for me. You know, a lot of my friends were like, oh, I'll bring you this or, you know, like, you know. And one of the ways that they helped me was, and this, I'm not going to say that part, but I used a friend's ID to get in the cafeteria. Now, I know I'm not the only person that has done it because I'm sure somebody else has. Everybody's done it. So <laughs> I used somebody's ID, a friend of mine, to get in the cafeteria because I had no meal plan and my friend had unlimited meals. So I... Use their ID to get in. And I'm like, normally works. I was hungry. It was like one of my, it was like the first week. Remember like the first week or two that I was there that mm -hmm. happened? So I swipe. They called me. I was trying to like move off fast and get in the cafeteria, but they already saw the car and they saw it wasn't me. They not supposed to flip it over. They well, supposed they to keep it the same way. They put that joint over. I was like, oh. And I was trying to get in there real fast and they was like, wait a minute. And I said, oh. They was like, this isn't you. And I was like, it's not? <laughs> it's definitely not me. 
looks nothing like me. So I'm like, okay. So they were like, this is unacceptable. And I'm like, look, I was just hungry. Look, my mother was paying y'all paychecks. Like, Let me get in here and eat this just, damn bagel. And like, I was like, I was just hungry. So I called my friend. My friend came in. She paid for me to get in. Shout out to Egypt because she, and I was like, don't pay for me to get in. Like, cause I was like upset and I was like, I don't want to get in trouble. Like, I hate getting in trouble because I feel like it's just unnecessary drama. And I'm a scary kid. So I'm like, I don't want to get in trouble. Like, I don't feel like this. <laughs> what they going to do? Laugh me up? Like, what they going to do? So I'm like, oh gosh. So she pays for me to get in. So I like to eat you again because that was dope of her to let, you know. Friends, real friends are going to feed you and do what they got to do. And they're not, real friends also are not going to throw it in your face if y'all stop being friends. Real friends just do it because they want you to have what they have. They're not going to throw it in your face if y'all ever have an argument or anything. They're just going to be like, look, like I was her friend. That's what I did for her. And yeah. But I digress. We, um... So I we got in trouble. Me, the person, whoever the ID, the per the ID holder, me, the ID holder, and another. Friend. I think Egypt came for support, or Egypt was involved. In, I don't know how she got involved. So whatever, but Egypt didn't do anything. I think Egypt just came for support because she's a bomb friend. So I'm like, dang, what are we going to say? You know, I was like, I don't even know what to say. I talked to my mom, but my mom was like. How did you, how did this happen? And so my mom was kind of like, dang, like, we just got to work better at, you know, getting you some food, get this thing, it might be better, blah, blah, blah. Nobody was mad, I think my mom was mad. Because, like, I'm, I'm like, me and my mom are really close, but my mom, like, when she get mad at me, I'll be like, oh, God, like, I don't want to be around. <laughs> I don't want to answer the phone. Like, I'm still, you know, black moms, they still get you. Like, you still be, like, this a little bit scared. Mm-hmm. Well, I know I am. So I'm like, oh boy, she was mad. So she really wasn't mad though, cause I normally don't get in trouble, and she knew I was just hungry. And everybody knows I'm greedy. So even if I ate, I'm still hungry. <laughs> like <laughs> I probably ate, but I'm like, no, I'm still hungry. And everybody else is going, so I'm going too. So anyway, so we had a meeting. They basically said, like, it's a step on the wrist. So warning, the next time you do it and get caught, you know, you're gonna get in trouble. You get, you probably get like written up or something. But, like, I just saw, like, look, I was really hungry. You know, like, I don't have a meal plan. I'm still getting, I was, and, like, you know me, like, I'm ready to shed tears because, like, you know, I'm, I'm just how, I'm dramatic. So, like, no, part they of only one reason to try to kick your black ass out. <laughs> so, like, I'm like, yo, like, I might start crying because I, I don't have time. I'm too stressed out right now. I'm just <laughs> coming back from being home. Money is scarce because, like, it's expensive to go to school. And, like, I used to, like, get money. I worked and stuff. I didn't have a lot of money in college like everybody else. So, you know, like, I was just, I didn't cry or anything. I didn't, you know, but I was just, like, I was just really hungry. And I'm sorry. It won't happen again. I'll figure it out. And so, like, after that, you know, like, my mom was just like, all right, like, we'll just do a little better. Please don't do that no more. I said, I do it no more. Everybody knows I'm a scared kid. Once I get caught, I do it no more. And, they, and I'm like, they see my face. And they really know me in there. Like, they knew me. So they're like, they're not going to. If I sit up there and try to swipe something again, they're going like, no, you know you're not supposed to be over here. So, yeah, that was like, I, I really got in trouble a little bit. But, like, it was a slip on the wrist. Because, like, and I was heavy because, like, I didn't want nobody. I felt like, oh, somebody else. I got somebody else in trouble. And, like, we all told the truth. And I was like, this is going to be, you know. But, yeah. So, that was my experience. 
And, like, I had real friends. Like, we all been through stuff. You know, you got to stick together when you had a PWI. From, the, from college and beyond, like, when you stick together, it's like, this is my real friend. Because, like, not that you should lie for your friends, but sometimes, you know, you just got to, like, you got to do what you got to do. Like, you got to have your friends back. So, like, my friends really Thank had my you, back. Thank you, friends. Yes, I love my friends. <laughs> my real friends. My real, real damn ass friends. <laughs> Sorry for the curse. My mom might be listening. Sorry for the curse. But, like, it's some real damn, like, my friends, I think that's why, like, Albright, Albright really wasn't that bad. Like, I really made some, like, great friends that I'm still friends with now. And, like, all my experiences were good. Even when I lived in a house with housemates, that was fun at the time. You know, like, even when I lived, it was it was fun at the time. I had a great time. And, like, even after that, like, I got mad respect for people, like, they just always had my back. Because, like, my housemates, they look like Ewa would cook for us. I'd be like, yes, I don't got to go to the camp. I don't got to, like, even Ewa think food was popping. Yo, Ewa, That baby. one time y'all had that, uh, that one, like, like kind of day party thing. Y'all had all, like, the authentic that, that was the, That was the Caribbean party. That was lit. But do you know how that was crazy? I almost cried. I was overwhelmed by all the good food. I was at work. <laughs> I was at work, my little college job. He was at work, cause we was all we was in your house. Yes, like, everybody was at my head? house, and I'm like, I'm at work, cause you know I had a little college job, didn't pay. And then one thing about college jobs, work that they only pay you seven twenty five an hour. That's slave labor. I mean, like I, I literally there were weeks where I two it was paychecks, and you get paid every two weeks. So there were paychecks where I had twenty eight dollars. Like the checks where I had, and like the checks were one hundred dollars. I was really balling, but I was really like working every day. Like, but anyway, so I come home from work and like the door is open. I'm like, what's going on here? It's all this, I smell all this curry, all this pepper, hot peppers. Imani had made, uh, shout out to Imani. She made the curry chicken. It was all this food. And I'm like, what's going on here? And he was like, oh, we're having a, uh, I think it was like the closing for the Caribbean, the closing for the year. They had a Caribbean, the Caribbean club. Like a little closing barbecue slash dinner. It was Child, good. that food was so good. It was good. I was like, I walked into this. And like, my husband, I already knew I was down for the food. So I was like, what's up with the plate? Like, <laughs> and then like all my friends were here. I said, y'all ain't tell me it was going to be for Oh, okay, let me get my plate. <laughs> Got my curry chicken. All the food was popping. But yeah, that was amazing. Like, So like, even when I didn't have food or whatever, like, he was used to hook us up. Like... We used to like have so much fun, or like, you know, we used to figure something out, and like to this day, like they're, they're like loyal people, like so. I think that's why I liked the most was that it was some really cool people that I met that are like my best friends. Period. Outside of college, because like we had to like find a way. We had to, we had to make a way out of no way. Damn, so right. And survive. So yeah, so I got all the real friends out there. Cause y'all know I had to make a way out of some way. <laughs> Got that degree though. What's up with it?